Working Class Audio is brought to you by Universal Audio, Audio Technica, Loudon Audio, Focal Monitors, and Gearsluts.com. This is the Working Class Audio Podcast, Session 163. Working Class Audio, navigating the world of recording with a working class perspective. Here's your host, Matt Boudreaux. Uh, thanks, Chuck. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Working Class Audio Podcast. This is session 163 you're listening to. My guest today is the NAM Show 2018. That's right. No, no central guest, but kind of a recap of what happened at NAM from my perspective. Obviously, so much happened at NAM, but uh, I'm here to just give you my uh, personal perspective on it. And I have a few guests. My friend, Chris Salim, former WCA guest, Chris Salim, that's right, from Mixdown.online, uh, is going to come on and chat. Plus, I include a little chat we had at uh, Denny's. More on that. You're going to hear the word Denny's a lot. Not because they're sponsoring the show, but we just ate breakfast there four days in a row. Chris and I both, yeah. Uh, so we recorded one of our conversations there at, at Denny's. And um, my brother from another podcast, uh, Lid Shaw, is going to come on uh, via phone. Now, we hung out, but strangely enough, I had to do the recap with him over the phone uh, because I just didn't get a chance to hang out with him all that much because we were going in separate directions constantly. So, yeah. What can I say? So, uh, it was four days. It was at the Anaheim Convention Center. It was a little different this year because there was a new building involved. And that meant that, boy, uh, there was just so many buildings to go into upstairs, downstairs, uh, you know, different halls. Uh, there was AES at NAM happening over at the Hilton. And boy, there was a lot going on. It was super overwhelming. So I had to kind of just focus in on what I was interested in and that, you know, for recording people, that's generally pro audio. Anytime I uh, found myself lost in a hall, for example, uh, I was looking for universal audio and I went down in this hall and started meandering around without my map out and uh, looked around and I saw a bunch of woodwind instruments and then I stumbled into, you know, some other areas and you know, it was like trumpets and trombones and clarinets. And I was like, uh-oh, I'm in a bad neighborhood. I got to get out of here and get back to the safety of pro audio. <laughs> you know, nothing gets our woodwind friends, but I just, you know, I needed to get where I was going. So yeah, it was huge. There was a lot going on. So let's just start. Let me uh, let me tell you some of the cool things that I did. Uh, one of the one of the things that I did that I really enjoyed was former WCA guest Michael Beinhorn was giving a breakdown uh, of the production of Black Hole Sun from Soundgarden. So I went up to this fourth floor uh, room, uh, not a hotel room, but kind of a kind of a conference room, and a bunch of people crowded in while Michael was interviewed by a gentleman whose name I I do not know and I did not recognize. So I apologize. Don't know who that was. Anyways, I think he's a he's a DJ in Los Angeles. He interviewed Michael, and they opened up a Pro Tools session with a bunch of stems made from. Uh, the super unknown record, and they focused in on Black Hole Sun. And we got to hear all the individual tracks um, and hear the stories behind those tracks, intensity and the emotion uh, that went into making that record. And yeah, it was, boy, that was a, that was a huge highlight, I got to say. Meandering around the floor of, of, of the different levels, um, got to see um, 
Lots of former WCA guests. I got to see uh, Jakir King speak over at Mix with the Masters. Andrew Sheps, of course. Um, I ran into uh, uh, Joe Barisi. Uh, We got to chat for about five minutes. You know, that's the thing when you're at NAMM is everybody's kind of there doing stuff. And if they have any level of popularity, then they have meetings, they have presentations, and it's you're kind of catching them, you know, for like a couple minutes here, a couple minutes there. You know, there's handshakes and hugs and how you doing and you're moving, moving around pretty fast. Um, speaking of that, after the first day, you know, I don't, I wasn't wearing a Fitbit, so I have no idea how many steps I took, but I walked so much that I woke up in the middle of the night with my calves cramping and I was in absolute pain. It was intense. And, uh, yeah, so that's what I get for not stretching. And I talked to, uh, former WCA guests. I'm going to be saying that a lot. Denny's and former WCA guest. I talked to former WCA guest, David Glasser from, uh, Airshow Mastering. And uh, I told David the story. David said I wasn't drinking enough water. So I just started pounding the water and the uh, the airborne tablets because, of course, you know, the flu is going around like crazy. You're shaking hands a lot. So I think I washed my hands so many times that my hands just became like, uh, they probably look like the Salton Sea or the, uh, the Mojave Desert or something, you know, or Death Valley. That's what they look like, Death Valley. Because my hands were so dry, I was doing it so much. It was quieter this year in terms of sound because uh, we weren't in the same hall uh, as all the musical instruments, so you didn't have the bleed over of drums and guitars and you know sound systems, at least in the, the main areas where I was. Now, Universal Audio was in their old traditional spot, which is in that kind of within earshot of those things. So the high amount of activity going on at their booth was was pretty intense. So you have not only their, the sound they're creating, but sound others around them are creating. And they had a really cool thing where you could go in what appeared to be like almost like an Old West saloon, and you could uh, do some A-B comparisons of hardware versus software and it was like a quiz and i think you could win a t-shirt i actually didn't go in and try it but it was explained to me and i watched it from afar and it was a a series of buttons where you could say you know here's here's the unaffected signal here's the plug-in signal here's the hardware signal now here is here's the button you push to guess which it which you're listening to what you know what it is you're listening to hardware or software equivalent and you know People said it was so close that it was really, really hard to tell. They also won a tech award uh, for the Apollo Mark II. And speaking of that, uh, our friends over at Audio-Technica also won a tech award for their new microphone. That is the, uh, the 5047 which is super cool. Audio-Technica also released the limited edition uh, ATH-M50XBB. ATH that is a blue-black, beautiful-looking headphone. I know that, you know, we're not supposed to be judging things by how they look, but how they sound. But, you know, the ATH-M50s are a popular headphone. A lot of people dig them, and they have this new color that even I was just like, ooh, I wouldn't mind having a pair of those. And they, they're, they're very good looking. I'll include a link in the show notes uh, to the Audio-Technica website. And um, yeah, you can check those out. Beautiful looking headphones. So yeah, Audio-Technica won a tech award. Universal Audio won a tech award. Uh, really great for, uh, for, for them. I also went over and visited our friends over at Focal Monitors and uh, Lawton Audio. 
And they had a great thing happening with this guy, Steve Hill, uh, with another WCA alum, Daryl Thorpe, uh, Daryl was recording Steve and Steve, I don't know if you've seen this guy. He's insane. He plays guitar. Okay. So imagine this, this guy's standing there playing guitar. He's got a drumstick on the headstock of the guitar and he hits a cymbal with that. And in on his right foot, he's got a kick drum. He's standing. And on his left foot, he's got a snare drum. And then on the guitar, he's got some effect that's creating some low end, you know, kind of complement to the guitar, kind of a, you know, kind of an octave, octaver type situation. And he sings and you put all that together and he does this kind of, you know, super rock and blues thing, but he's a one man show. And Daryl Thorpe was in there recording him, which was really super cool. Um, also got to see the new Zayor stand up desk, you know, I don't know if you're, you, you know, if I say stand up desk, I think you know what I mean, where you can push a button and raise and lower a desk. And many of you are going, well, that's not remarkable. There's plenty of stand up, sit down desks out there. But this is super cool because not only is it a beautiful looking Zayor desk, but, you know, of all the stand up, sit down desks out there or standing desks, I don't know what you're supposed to call them. You can't fit a pair of speakers or any rack gear in them. And Zayor has done it. I'll, I'm going to include this picture I took and they're known for doing um, not only beautiful furniture, as I've talked about, because of course I have my new furniture, which is amazing speaker stands and my uh, on Mac 12, which I'm uh, very happy with and sitting here in front of. But um, this, this desk, you know, can be done any number of ways. So there's a lot of customization involved and you can, the racks are modular, like you can move them around and come up with the configuration that works for you. So I'll include the picture, you check it out. I encourage you to to go over their website and see if, uh, I'm not sure if the uh, information is up just yet, but uh, I'm going to include whatever links are possible. This was pretty impressive. And uh, I talk about this with some of my upcoming phone call in uh, phone calls here we're about to have. So stand by for that. I also had a really good time just, you know, hanging out and having beers with people. And I got to hang out with uh, Louis Gonzalez, who's a WCA fan. Uh, but he also works with uh, Cesar Mejia over at the shelter studios. And uh, he was telling me uh, of the things that he saw. Louis was telling me of the things that he saw. Uh, said he was uh, really thrilled checking out some of the stuff that uh, Warm Audio had, the, their Pultec EQs. He said Heritage Audio has is coming out with some monitor controllers that he's he's looking at. And uh, he's picking up some new Dyn Audio LYD48s uh, that he got to demo and fell in love with. And said he's also looking at the Personas controller, the console one, he says, caught his eye. Uh, the new RedNet X2P is definitely getting added to my existing RedNet rack, he said. Um, and the Audio-Technica BP40 is a must-buy for him. And uh, and he's still lusting over an API 2500 compressor. That's what Louie says. So great to uh, great to hang out with Louie and have beers with he and Caesar and and group of friends of, of theirs. So that was cool. Um, so I'll tell you what, let's jump into some conversations that I had. And one of those conversations took place at, here we go, Denny's. Yes. Former WCA guest, of course, as I've said before, Chris Salem from Mixdown.online. We recorded a conversation at Denny's. So let's get over and take a listen to what, what our conversation was like. This might be funny or not because <laughs> we're at Denny's. So here we go. Let's listen to that. Good morning, Chris. Hey, good morning, Matt. So here we are, we're at Denny's, eating breakfast, Saturday morning, day three of NAM for- yeah. Third for, time here at Denny's. 
our third for us, time. Anyways. Yeah. Maybe we could get, maybe I could get Denny's to uh, sponsor the podcast. <laughs> or maybe not. No, we just, I don't know, just, it's an easy thing. We come to Denny's and uh, everybody else does too because we had to wait. So, yeah, about 20 minutes. So, uh, good show for you? Good so name far, show? so good, yeah. It's, um, it's huge. You know, I, this is my first time here in California and at Winter Nam, obviously. My first Nam show was Nashville, which is tiny compared to this one. Oh, yeah. It's a poster And stand. I've been to AES New York last fall, which is only pro audio. And But this, you know, this Winter Nam is quite impressive. There's a lot of stuff going on, uh, concerts. Uh, uh, even Yamaha has his own building, you know. Yeah. On the Marriott side, which, which is quite cool. Plus, there's the whole AES at Nam thing where that's in the, the Hilton. Yeah. Separate thing. Yeah. Now, yesterday was cool. You know, mixed with the Masters, they have like a large booth where every hour there's a Master doing a session, mainly a Q&A session. You know, yeah. he comes up with, he starts this session with a, um, um, with a Pro Tools mix he works on, you know, and just we have a brief listen to what he's doing. And then it's mainly Q&As for four or five minutes. And, you, you know, you learn a lot of stuff. You know, I was there for Andrew Shaps and um, Jakir King. Yeah. And that was very, very nice, sitting down and listening to these guys. Um, now, they were at AES in New York City as well, but I didn't have the chance to, uh, to sit down and listen to them much at that time. So I took, I took the, uh, the time to, uh, to sit down, relax, and enjoy the mix with the master booth. This is your first dam in California, and it's pretty big, and it's even more confusing because it's spread across multiple buildings, and it's expanded then, you know, from past years. Imagine. Imagine. So there's, there's a lot of walking. There's a ton of walking. You know, I walk a lot, which I don't mind. I have to be honest with you. I love to exercise, so for me, it's, uh, it's all good. But you get to the end of the day, and you're exhausted. Yeah, and you, you pile that on with... You know, if you don't drink enough water, you drink a bunch of coffee. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you go out to some party, you drink a bunch of beer, and you know, my voice is just <laughs> really rattled. But now, you know, my my biggest highlight for Nam, and that is the same, was the same for Summer Nam, is to meet all you guys. Yeah. All these audio content creators. Yeah. Um, YouTubers, podcasters, bloggers like you, Bjorkvin, Joe Gilder, Lidge, Pete. Uh, you know, Graham Cochran. Graham. I met Graham for the first time. Uh, it was two days ago. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. It's funny to run into all these internet personalities. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I met uh, James Ivy uh, this this past couple days from Production Expert. Uh, great to hang out with him and had some chats, and we've arranged that when I go to London over the summer. He wants me to come over to his studio, and that's that's going to be a, a fun time. That's pretty nice. So, I'm sure we'll. They're fun guys. They are fun guys. <laughs> uh, people kept asking me, you know, like, what's the piece of gear that you really saw that got your attention? And and I said, I'll be honest with you, I haven't been paying that close attention. I know. Up to a certain point, uh, I've been focusing on the people that I know and and new people that I'm meeting and really just focusing on people and it's only today saturday that i'll be going out to some of the booths to 
you know, talk to some people about some of their, their gear and capture some, you know, interviews yeah. with them. But it's been great. I mean, it, it's always more enjoyable with friends, you know. Of course. Uh, in the past, it's always just been me solo at an Airbnb and, you know, going each day and just being a lone wolf. Must not be the same than going there with friends. Yeah, it's not. Uh, there is one downside of having you know doing uh, nam with friends and that is i don't get as much sleep and i think we, we have a few more beers yeah beer and ice creams yeah yeah oh i totally blew all my dietary <laughs> same here I have to yesterday say. night so long for a low carb diet yeah so much for no sugar <laughs> i blew that last night cool chris we'll check in again before before, yeah, before the uh, before the episode's over yeah that's cool all right, so that's uh, Chris Salem, of course, from uh, Mixdown.online, former WCA guest. That's one of our many meals at Denny's that we had. I think I ate the same thing every day, too, except maybe for the first day. And it's funny, too, because the coffee on the first day, uh, I don't know if Chris felt this way, but I tasted it and I was like, uh, I don't know if there's something wrong with the coffee or something. But by the fourth day, we had become completely accustomed to the coffee, so... I don't know. I'm not saying that there was anything in the coffee. I think it's just a different kind of coffee. Um, all right. So back to Nam. So one of the things that I checked out, you know, a lot of people were like, so, you know, what did you see? What, you know, what really blew you away? And, you know, I mostly, for the most part, I work in the box. So I have tons of EQs, compressors, reverbs, you know, I really, honestly, if I were to just stop buying stuff today, I'd be fine. Of course, until somebody upgrades an operating system. <laughs> we all know how that works. Anyways, one of the things that I did see uh, was from former WCA guest, Kim Rosen and her husband, Dave Rosen. This is really cool. Kim and Dave are a husband-wife team in pro audio. I mean, aside from Kim's mastering responsibilities and, and, and the business she runs, they have this new company called Whitestone Audio. I'll include a link. That's whitestoneaudio.com. I think if I saw anything that I really want that I think is really cool and that I think is important for mastering engineers as a new tool, but also important for mix engineers uh, potentially, and especially if you work in the box, you know, I'm generally cool with just staying in the box, but I have never heard anything that does what this box does that they've created. They've created this thing called the P331. I don't want to even tell you about it. I want Dave to tell you about it. So I went over to Dave's, Dave and Kim's booth. Uh, Kim had already taken off, but Dave was there and I had Dave run it down. So let's jump into that conversation with Dave Rosen because this, this is something that uh, I think y'all should keep your eye on and consider for the future. Whitestone audio. Yeah. And the uh, let's let's jump into that conversation. Let's talk to Dave. And I did this on the show floor at NAM. So uh, Dave Rosen here on the Working Class Audio Podcast talking about the uh, the Whitestone Audio P three three one. All right, so I'm here with Dave Rosen, uh, who's actually the husband of Kim Rosen, former WCA alum, and I'm sitting here staring at this amazing box called the Whitestone. And you all know I don't really get. I try not to get gear lusty, but I'm getting a little gear lusty here, and I'm not going to try to explain this thing to you. I just know that I tried it, and I really think it's a fantastic potential uh, product for, well, definitely a product for mastering engineers, and if you're an in-the-box mixing engineer, this could also be a great solution to kind of bring a little extra life 
that you may not find in a plugin that's available today. So Dave's going to briefly explain uh, what it is. And uh, it's called the Whitestone P331 tube loading amplifier. And Dave? Thanks, Hi. Matt. Good morning. Take hey, it away. How's it going? So yeah, we, we designed this as a custom piece for Kim's room and thought it was pretty unique, so we're going to offer it to, the, to everybody else. The idea was to come out with a really clean gain stage for, for the mastering chain, and we wanted to start out with a really clean tube amplifier, Class A tube amplifier, and we went with a 6SN7 tube, which is kind of rare in pro audio, but it's used a lot in audiophile preamps. The reason for that is it's clean out of the box, so it starts out really clean, and then we can use different types of tube loading to subtly introduce some harmonics into the signal. So, But it starts out with that tube section, and you can kind of load the tube differently. You can adjust the negative feedback, or you can, in the second mode, you can change the plate voltage, which actually introduces another subtle distortion. Then we have a, a parallel lift filter for the high frequency, low frequency, or both. The frequencies actually, the lifted frequencies get passed through the, the tube and are affected by the harmonics and then it's blended with the original input signal after the tube section. So it's a, it's a subtle lift. It can be completely transformerless, or on the output you can put a transformer in and then load the transformer in two different ways also by changing the uh, configuration of the, of the coils. And then the last section is a, a class A solid state output, 12 dB a booster cut in 1 dB increments, and then we have a resolution switch that you can add a quarter dB or a half a dB uh, to whatever setting you have on that. So, for instance, if it's at the end of your mastering chain and one dB click is going to clip your converters, you can get an extra quarter dB or a little, a little more out of your analog chain before, before you clip. Each section is completely hardwire bypassable, except the loading circuit, and then the whole unit can be bypassed also. We don't like to call it a color box because it really doesn't change the integrity of what's coming in. It just subtly enhances what's already there. Yeah. And you talked about it all being digitally controlled? Yeah, it's all digitally controlled, so no audio runs to the front panel at all. It's all rotary and toggle switches commanding um, 84 sealed precision relays. Yeah, that's what relays. we were talking about yesterday, yeah. So there's a lot of relays, and uh, so it's a really, every section's a super pure signal path. Availability, give me a rough idea. We're gonna be uh, shipping in October for AES. In October, okay, of 2018 of AES, okay. And it is the Whitestone P331. List price is going to be? 4,500. 4,500, okay. It's a, it's a 2U rack box. I'll include a, uh, a picture that I've taken with my phone here on in the show notes. And is there, there's a website, I assume. Yep, whitestoneaudio.com. Whitestoneaudio.com also will be in, in today's show notes. So be sure and check that out. I'm really blown away by this product. And you know, I all, many of you know, I don't get, like I say, lusty about any particular product, but I, I don't know. People are asking me what product I saw at this show that I really dig, and this is it. So thank oh, you, thanks, James. man. It's a pleasure to see you both. And uh, I missed Kim, she left uh, yesterday, but great to see you. So, thanks, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for telling us all about it. Appreciate it. Okay, awesome. Yeah, Dave Rosen here on the Working Class Audio Podcast telling us about the new Whitestone P331. Super cool box, and uh, it's cool to see Dave and Kim as a husband and wife team. And of course, like I mentioned before, Kim, former WCA guest, mastering engineer. And uh, yeah, yeah, they have this new box, and you should check it out. I'll put all the stuff in the show notes. Go over to the website, uh, check it out, see what you think. Um, 
The other thing a lot of people are excited about at NAM is the Universal Audio Arrow. It's a very small, um, almost Apollo twin-like device, but it's self-powered through USB 3. And it's got a single solo chip inside there. It's very uh, it's very small. It's very portable, and it's uh, really cool. So I talked to Tom Waterman from Universal Audio about that box and what, what are the details behind it. So uh, we had to dash off to like a hallway because it was just so noisy where we were at. So got a little quieter environment uh, to talk to uh, Tom in about the, the new Arrow. So let's do that now. Let's talk to Tom Waterman from Universal Audio about the Arrow. I'm here with Tom Waterman from Universal Audio, who of course is a sponsor of the show. And we want to find out what's new with Universal Audio. Tell me about this whole Arrow thing. What's up with Arrow? Okay, so Arrow is our first, or the world's first, desktop Thunderbolt 3 bus-powered audio interface. So previously with the Apollo series, we have interfaces which are Thunderbolt, right. but they have their own external power supplies. So with Arrow, for the first time, we have a portable solution, which is two Unison preamps and DSP on board, so you get access to this recording workflow that we've become really renowned for, but you can just have one cable hanging off your, your computer, whether that's a Mac or a Windows 10 PC mm-hmm. with Thunderbolt 3. So it's, it's, it's the most affordable way into the ecosystem of Universal Audio and the UAD2 powered plug-in platform, really. What's the, the, the price point of Aero? It's 499 US dollars, 449 pounds, and 499 euros. What's the uh, DSP power inside? It's the UAD2 solo chip, which okay. is one of our shark cores. This USB 3, or sorry, this Thunderbolt 3 is looks exactly like USB-C, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, yeah. They, that's the, USB-C is the connector type. Okay. And then that can either transmit or receive USB 3.1 specification or Thunderbolt 3. Okay. So it's really about the chips that you have behind the connector. Okay. But it's going to be a bit confusing, I think, in the commercial world, with especially the consumer side, where we have the connector looking the same. Yeah. So you have to hunt for the little lightning bolt symbol. Yeah. So the cables you need to use to bust power arrow from your computer should have, hopefully, a Thunderbolt logo. So the little lightning bolt logo on the actual barrel of the connector. Okay. And you should also see that tiny little lightning bolt symbol on the actual side of the computer by the port itself. Can you power Arrow through an older Thunderbolt conversion dongle, or does it just need Thunderbolt 3 to work, period? It needs Thunderbolt 3 to work, so it uses the power delivery of this, which will deliver up to 15 watts. Okay. Um, so effectively, like a, an Apollo Twin, for example, it's about 12 watts or so. So it's uh, it needs about that much to do an Arrow. Mm-hmm. So you need the Thunderbolt watts 3 power delivery. Uh, it's watts in terms oh, of power okay. draw. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. It would draw about 12 volts, I believe, but, but okay. that, that sort of the same wattage. Now, as we're talking about this, I know that there's probably some listeners who own Apollo rack mounts that are Thunderbolt-based that are probably getting a little panicked going, oh, no, protocols are changing. So to address that, there is a new card coming out in the spring, I hear. That there is. A Thunderbolt 3 card for Apollos. Exactly, yeah. So we have the T, what we call the T-Box. Uh, the Thunderbolt option card, which is now, that will be its third generation. So we moved from Thunderbolt, effectively from Thunderbolt 1 speed to Thunderbolt 2 and then Thunderbolt 3. So with this, you have two USB-C connectors, which are true Thunderbolt 3. So that will actually provide 15 watts of power delivery from the card itself. So if you have your Apollo rack connected to the main supply, it will actually trickle charge your laptop and also send power downstream to something like an arrow, which could be aggregated and cascaded with an Apollo rack. But it's, what's useful with it, because we're now into Thunderbolt 3 speed, so 40 GBPS, is you could run two 4K 
high-res video screens on that same Thunderbolt bus, or a lot of peripherals like hard drives and that kind of thing. So it opens up a world of connectivity, things like the new Mac computers, that kind of thing. So just to be clear, let's say I have an Apollo 8P. Mm -hmm. I can actually buy this new card, pull the old card out, put this in, and I can be up to speed with a new Mac. Absolutely, yeah, and just direct connect with a Thunderbolt 3 cable to things like the iMac Pro, the, the new iMac, which has um, the sort of the new iMac, but not the, not the iMac Pro, has, I think it's uh, two Thunderbolt 3 and four Thunderbolt 2 ports. Okay. So you'd be able to go directly into the Thunderbolt 3. The things like the Touch Bar MacBook Pro and the iMac Pro, they are just Thunderbolt 3 only ports on those machines. So it makes it very easy for you to connect your Apollo racks to these new computers. Okay, that's and anything super that's cool. coming downstream from Apple and also Intel motherboards with Thunderbolt 3. Right, so for our PC using friends, they're covered yeah. too? Oh yeah, we, we're showing at the show the uh, Razorblade laptops, which is like a gaming, very high speed gaming machine, mm -hmm. really high quality of build and a lot of processing power, and that's native Thunderbolt 3 as a Windows laptop. So that's a real alternative to the MacBook Pro if you want to run on Windows. Any pricing uh, information available for the card for Apollos? Not yet, no, okay. it's to be confirmed, and ship dates to be confirmed, although we're aiming for halfway through 2018, so okay. springtime, hopefully. Okay, yeah. that sounds great. Oh, it's great. I mean, the, the ability to have an arrow hanging off the end of that, and then you can just unplug the cable and go if you need to, is, is wonderful, and it just reduces the clutter in your studio. You can have, you know, a permanent fixture and then a portable and mix and match. Uh, to, to sort of finish off answering your question about Thunderbolt 2, um, you can, because the Apollo is technically running at, in terms of data rates within the Thunderbolt 2 range, it's possible to take a Thunderbolt 3 adapter from a new machine to a Thunderbolt 2 port, so you can buy the Apple adapters, the sort of downgrade dongle we can call it, and still run your Thunderbolt 2 Apollo Twins, for example, or your Apollo uh, existing racks with the T-Box 2 card before you upgrade to the T-Box 3. So you can easily still interface as a sort of Thunderbolt 2 to Thunderbolt 3, but what won't work is Arrow connecting to a Thunderbolt 2 port on a computer. Does yeah. that make sense? Because yeah. there's no power delivery for it. Right, because I, like, I run an old mid-2012 laptop with Thunderbolt 2, so that's not really going to work with the Arrow. No, and, and the, the way that we're sort of looking at it is we're, we're almost, if we look at sort of cutting-edge technology or the curve, we're either exactly on the sharpest point of the curve or a little bit ahead of it we're hoping so with Thunderbolt 3. So throughout the rest of 2018, there'll be new motherboards and new processors uh, with embedded Thunderbolt 3 for Windows machines and all the new Macs coming out with it. So we're hoping within the next six to 12 months that that people who upgrade their computers will be very much kind of going, ah, Thunderbolt 3 is the future. But in the meantime, we would say Apollo Twin is our, it's our best-selling interface. It's really become the industry standard for desktop recording, you know, either for musicians or like you know, the voiceover people, podcast guys, interview stuff, um, location work in general, just and musicians who want to have a very powerful front end in a small package. Yeah. So we're 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 not really launching Arrow to deflect Twin, the success of Twin. Twin is still the successful desktop box that we expect it to continue to be on Thunderbolt 2, and there are a lot of machines out there with Thunderbolt 2 that will naturally look for that solution. Um, but as people, I think, I, I would probably guess that most people are running older machines, like you mentioned, a 2012, yep. maybe a, a t even sometimes as far back as 2008 kind yeah. of era machines. So sure. I think we're getting to the point where people are six, seven, eight, nine years in on their machines going, it's about time I upgrade. Yeah. So the choice now is going to be iMac, it's going to be MacBook Pro, it's maybe the modular Mac Pro that's coming further downstream. 
yeah. which we don't know. The rumored, the ru- yeah, it's, I guess it's not confirmed, is yeah, it? Yeah. I'm not sure, but um, whatever it's going to be, I'm sure Apple will be integrating Thunderbolt three. So we're kind of there, waiting for it to happen now with the entire Apollo interface platform and then things like Arrow as well. Tom, thanks for chatting with me about this My and uh, enjoy the rest of your NAM. Thanks so much. All right, cheers. cheers. Cool. So that was Tom Waterman from Universal Audio telling us all about the Arrow and uh, the Thunderbolt 3 and all that. And that's that's always good information. Um, and of course, they won a tech award, as I mentioned earlier, for the Twin Mark II, which is great for them. Um, coming up here, let's uh, let's have a quick chat with my brother from another podcast. That would be Lid Shaw from Recording Studio Rockstar has given me his perspective. Uh, I had to call him. Uh, because I just, you know, we saw each other, but we didn't have, actually have a chance to sit down and, and do a little uh, check-in on the show. So uh, here's Lid Shaw from Recording Studio Rockstars. Hey, Matt, my brother from another podcast. How you doing, dude? I'm good. We're, you're out eating breakfast? Yeah, believe it or not, I'm finally back at Denny's having breakfast in Anaheim. Are you kidding oh, me? Ma'am. I, I, I managed to, I, I never got to go meet you guys at Denny's for breakfast every morning before we'd walk into Nam, right because i was too far away in my hotel but i did manage to have breakfast here at the very beginning of the week and then at the very end of the week just before i head on head home on a plane getting the denny's on we should get them to sponsor our podcast we should man it's it's cozy in here yeah really digging the the fit breakfast slam sorry that's the one <laughs> the fit slam really quickly give me a give me a summation of uh, any gear that you saw or anything you saw at nam like give me your overall impression man i saw so much cool stuff this nam is the first time i've ever been to winter nam and it was overwhelming the amount of stuff that was there as you know matt there were multiple buildings so the exhibit was happening in, in a few different places and it was quite a long walk from one end to the other and we stayed i, I think it was called the a uh, building but we stayed up in that north building for the pro audio. And I, I have to confess, I never went to any other part of NAMM while I was there. Just there was so much to see just with mics and preamps and plug-in designers and compressors and all, all the cool stuff that makes up studio gear that I never made it over to guitars and amps or any of that stuff. Um, but it was just really exciting. I mean, there was so much stuff going on there with music and there were incredible musicians performing all the time there was incredible gear let's see one of the first things i always like to pick something pretty geeky that that kind of turned me on and believe it or not it was on the very first day i went to the pre uh the preview event and there was a company called servios that had designed um a 3d virtual reality dj it was kind of a game but it was also kind of a creative platform right so you throw on these vr goggles and then you put your hands in these uh these oculus rift controllers and then inside this 3d world you look down and you have robot arms you can see your feet um, which was kind of bizarre because i had big colorful robot robot sneakers on and as you know me i'm barefoot all the time (laughs) but uh so in this game you know you're you they're cranking the music over the speakers and you're dancing around. You just you just grab things and control everything in 3D space in front of you. So instead of having to hit buttons to start loops or um, play keyboard parts, you're literally playing these 3D objects that are floating in space. And that kind of stuff gets me excited because I talk about this all the time. And I know you you are an advocate for uh, a really nice desk, and you appreciate the power of a standing desk when you can use one. But I 
I really get tired of sitting in a chair when we're working all the time. It hurts my back sometimes, you know, staring at a, a screen a, a foot or two away from my face. Yeah. And so anything that starts to take our studio world into a place where you're standing up and moving around is okay by me. So, so that was pretty curious. And then, um, of course, uh, I got to say hi to Matt over at the Roswell Pro Audio booth, and they had a great thing going, and it was kind of fun because they had put up my my uh, demo video where I, I took a pair of their mini K47 mics and wrote a song and recorded everything on their song, and I was sort of you know, flattered to walk up, and they hit, they were displaying my video on a big screen at the oh, yeah. all week. So That's great. That was kind of fun to see. Uh, and then, you know, I, I went by a lot of interesting software, too. And it was so cool to go meet Colin over at McDSP. What a cool thing you guys did over there. You had that booth where you were able to sit and do sort of like an interview chat together, but do a presentation with, with an, a crowd pulled up to just listen in. Well, tell, tell us what you guys were um, getting into when you were up there with Colin. Uh, you know, it was more like he was interviewing me, uh, strangely enough. And uh, he was just asking me questions and telling stories about how, you know, we went to school together and how some of the things in our early part of our career kind of minorly influenced his decision to create McDSP, which I, I thought was bizarre to have him even say that I had any influence on so McDSP. He, he told me the same thing. He said, um, he said it was, you sort of spoiled him because you were such a great drummer. <laughs> when he went to go play with other musicians, he didn't understand why none of them could play well. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also he, he felt like he was not as good of a musician at, at the time. And so he decided to take a different route, which, I mean, that was really sweet of him to say. I mean, I, I don't, I certainly am not going to try to take credit for Colin McDowell creating McDSP, but I mean, he says I was an influence, but that's, that's kind of him to say, but anyhow. I was just going to say, Colin makes some wonderful plugins and I admitted to him that I'm guilty of not knowing them well enough. So I'm going to really dig into McDSP and get to know his plugins better when I get back to Nashville. I'm sort of excited to check them all out. He's a brilliant dude. And he makes great plugins and he's just a, he's an, he's an old friend and it's just, it's really cool to see him celebrating 20 years with his company. So, yeah. um, we just kind of told some, some stories like that. And then it was great to have a, an audience come and, and some, some, uh, WCA guests come and say hello or WCA listeners come and say hello. Well, you guys look cool up there, man. And I got some great photos, but there was some, there were some other cool things like, um, Boz digital. I got to meet Boz who's making really cool, fun colorful he has a plug-in a, a delay plug-in that literally looks like a crumpled piece of paper with a um sort of a spin dial pointer on it that you could flick your finger and it would spin around like like a game of twister you know but he's like a one-man show kind of guy right totally man he's just this genius dude who's who's designing and coding plugins and following whatever interesting thing he thinks people need for for a plug-in that's maybe not being made somewhere else so it was fun to hang out with him and really see what he's got going on. You know, there's a lot of similarities between him and Colin at McDSP and Steve Massey. There's a brilliance there that is yeah. <laughs> pretty amazing. I totally mentioned Steve Massey to him when I, when I was talking to him, too. And I, I don't think they know each other, actually. That, so yeah. that probably needs to happen. Great to chat with you. I wish I could have seen you more in our travels. I know. It's remarkable that we coordinate to go do this thing, and we barely cross paths all week. But it was it was cool. I still I could feel that all my brothers were there. So 
even in passing, I, I felt like we were all there together. Absolutely. It was awesome. Yeah. All right, Matt. Thanks so much, dude. I really appreciate it. And I hope you guys have a great show and a big shout out to all of your listeners. Um, thanks for being Matt's rock stars and, and for making great records. <laughs> thanks, Lidge. <laughs> and uh, I, will, yeah, I will catch up with you at another time, but uh, it was wonderful to hang out with you and uh, in the limited time that we had. So we'll catch up again. All right, man. I'll talk soon, dude. Cheers. Okay. Enjoy your breakfast at Denny's. Ciao. My brother from another podcast, Lidge Shaw. Great to chat with Lidge. It's so funny. Like we were there the entire time. And of course we hung out, we had beers and we're in large groups of people, but we never actually got a lot of time to just sit one-on-one and go, so what's going on? What do you think of the show? What, you know, what are your thoughts? So I had to call him there after I already got home. So, um, yeah, we're almost out of time. Final conversation. Um, uh, when I got home, I actually, uh, gave a call into my roommate uh, at the Airbnb there, which was, of course, Chris Salem, who we spoke to earlier at Denny's. But I called him after the fact just to check in and say, hey, man, what did you think? So uh, let's jump into that conversation right now, and then uh, we'll wrap up and say our goodbyes. But uh, yeah, here's Chris Salem back giving us his perspective on the show uh, after it's been said and done. So here it is. Bonjour. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> pretty good are you still in anaheim yeah yeah i'm still in anaheim i'm still in uh in my airbnb room and i'm going back to the uh the airport later today i'm gonna leave here around 11 i'm curious if you could give me your an, a broad overview of things you saw yeah i, I would say uh, for me nam was that was intense it wasn't like an intense four day like these four days were were crazy. A lot of walking. It's like it's so big. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I was used to AES in New York and Summernam in Nashville, which is way more uh, smaller. Um, now, as far as some gear and studio equipment I've seen that uh, blow me away, uh, there's only I would say there's probably only one thing that blew me away is that stand up desk from I think. It's the company is Zoar or something. Yeah, Zoar. They make my desk and all this stuff. Oh, there all you that go. Stuff yeah. I told you that I recently uh, got. Uh, but yeah, that was a cool desk. Hey, uh, when I saw that, I said, "Whoa!" I am a stand-up desk guy, big time. I have like one homemade stand-up desk when I work on my laptop in my in the back of the studio. But I would so love to have one uh, for the studio itself. What's cool about this one is you can use it by sitting down, and you can just um i i guess probably by a, a couple of buttons you know just have that desk uh, to be stand up you know which is pretty pretty practical and cool so everything is automated uh which makes makes it very very easy and you know um, the problem to, with to the problem with the traditional stand up desk these days i mean everybody might say yeah well i could buy a stand up desk anywhere but you cannot buy one that's going to fit all of your rack equipment Exactly. And, and you cannot find one that's got uh, going to have space for speakers. And that is a big problem because I, I remember I tried it once to have an, uh, no, a homemade setup for a stand-up desk uh, for mixing. And I managed to fake some, some speakers uh, stands for my NS10s. 
which are light speakers. So that was a bit easy, but it, you know, it was so, it, it took me time just to set that up, you know, so very, very not practical. So I just ended up use it, using it one time or twice and that's it. <laughs> I went back sitting down on my desk. Um, so, but that type of technology is very impressive. You know, this is the type of thing that attracts me a lot. Yeah, that that was a, a beautiful looking desk, and and as I told yeah. you when we saw it, it it was displayed in white, and I'm sure they could make it in any color, really. But yeah, I don't really like white, but the way they had it with the wood trim, it looked really sharp. <laughs> it did look sharp. <laughs> so, um, and you know, aside from that, you know, I, I didn't, you know, didn't see a lot of new uh, gear that blew my mind you know a lot um i i spoke to the guys at sauna works which uh which just came out uh, with the uh, the new upgrade the new uh, upgrade of uh, reference their reference software yeah uh, now they're up to reference four um, now it is a i would say though it's a it's a good update i use the reference three on my headphones uh, which I have to load the plugin uh, within Cubase to use it. But now this time you install the software on your computer and you can just uh, activate it to uh, to be used on the entire computer and not only through a DAW, which makes it way more practical. Yeah, now I can't wait to try the uh, uh, the one for the studio monitors. So I'm, I'm going to have a copy soon and uh, I'm going to be able to test it out and probably do a review on it. Excellent. Well, uh, anything else you saw that uh, you want to mention? There's that small company um, that makes keyboards, uh, computer keyboards, that are custom to the uh, software you work with. Now, that's pretty cool. Uh, they're called Logic Keyboards. Logic Keyboards, okay. Yeah, I think that's the name of the company. And uh, yeah, they, they have like a one uh, PC or Mac keyboard for Cubase, one for Pro Tools, Studio One, all you know, all different, different DAWs, even Final Cut Pro and Premiere, um, all these uh, softwares, um, which has a custom keyboard with all the shortcuts written on the, all the keys and with, you know, colored keys and stuff. And it is very cool to see. And you can even add, instead of buying the entire keyboard, you can buy a kind of a um, rubber pad to put on top of your uh uh, your MacBook Pro, for example, or computer, if you want to. So um, it is quite cool. That is cool. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Even I think one of the version, one of the keyboard version they have, um, lines up. You know, so there's some lights on the keyboard itself. So it's pretty cool. When you're looking at the gear at Nam, are you looking? Yeah specifically for things that meet your needs or are you trying to just take it all in at once um i think first you know i look for some stuff that will meet my needs and will meet the home studio needs in general because this is my reality so i'm yeah i'm gonna look on on some stuff that i probably going to use myself or i would use myself uh, like on my videos on youtube when i do a product review i tend to do reviews on stuff i i use basically you know that makes sense yeah so that's why i just you know i'm more attracted to some stuff that i think would be good for me to use in the studio than just looking around on some new technology you know sometimes it is it is cool to see new stuff coming up and and you say oh that could be cool even if it doesn't meet your needs like i, I cannot afford barefoot monitors you know but I had to go and listen to them. <laughs> I think that their um, their booth were near the mix with the master uh, booth, and I went there for a couple of minutes just to listen to um, two pair of barefoot monitors. Uh, that was impressive, you know. But uh, up to now, anyways, I'm 
will never buy a pair of barefoot because I just can't afford them. Uh, but it is cool to uh, to listen to them, you know, for sure. Well, that's great, man. It's good to get your perspective. Uh, you know, obviously I walked around, I had a perspective and to hear yours is, is valuable as well. So L- let me add something now that I think of it. Um, Empirical Labs teamed up with UAD, like you know, uh, to produce the new Distressor plugin. Yeah. And I had a chance to play with it at their booth. And yeah, that was quite cool. And this is a plugin I would love to uh, um, to play with. And compared to the Arouser, which is the, uh, the I, would, I call it the Distressor 2.0. Okay. Slightly different variation on that Distressor theme. Yeah, exactly. It's the same. It's the same as a Distressor, but a bit, I find it's um, it has way more flexibility. Yeah. From what I've seen, you know, so uh, this is, it's on my list to try out. Oh, that's great, man. On that note, uh, it was great to hang out with you and uh, had a good time running around Nam and uh, yeah, it was go- going to Denny's every morning for four days in a row. <laughs> <laughs> we we kind of got used to the coffee at first; we weren't that sure, but you know, I'd, in the end, it turned out that the coffee was, I guess, good. Now that we we got used to it, I think we just got used to it. I, maybe that was it. <laughs> that's what I think too. Your beach visit was good. Ah, the beach visit, dude. (laughs) It was awesome. Oh, my gosh. And the weather was nice. It was hot, sunny. You know, it was further away. So, you know, we had to, it cost us maybe 20 bucks of lift uh, just to go there. Um, But, you know, it was worth it. Yeah, we went to a place called Seal Beach. Yeah. It's a very nice little town and... uh, And people are very nice. You know, you know what happened? I lost my... Uh, my Rode microphone that goes after my camera. Your your um, shotgun? My shotgun. You know, I, I was walking on the beach with Matt, with uh, Lidge, and then it's like, where the heck is my mic? I put it in my, you know, my my bag, and it just fell off. So I walked back, you know, just to uh, to check, and somebody just took it and put it on a bench. Oh my gosh! I know, I know. And not too long after, we went for a coffee after dinner. And um, I forgot my phone at <laughs> the coffee shop. <laughs> then we're like a couple of blocks away. Uh, and then where the heck is my phone? It's like, I never lose my phone. And then Lidge calls my phone and somebody else at the coffee shop answers. And said, does, you know, did Chris lost his phone? So he's coming. So, yeah. Wow. So I would say people in the Seal Beach are nice people. <laughs> you got to keep a hold on to your stuff, Chris. I know. <laughs> You're you out know. of your normal comfort zones and routines. Exactly. <laughs> that must be it. <laughs> All right, so dude. Cool. Well, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run, but uh, great to chat with you and uh, safe cool. travels back home. Perfect. Hey, thanks. And uh, talk to you soon. Th- thanks for everything. Okay. See ya. Former WCA alum Chris Zelen there recounting his perspective on NAM. Yeah, it was great to hang out with Chris. Uh, we uh, roomed together. We got an Airbnb and split the cost. So that's that's always an alternative. If you are coming to NAM, uh, find a buddy, get an Airbnb, split the cost. Sometimes it can be significantly cheaper than uh, the hotels, uh, although there are a lot of cool hotels. Uh, you know, but it's just, it's a little bit less expensive. Uh, at least it was for us. So um, yeah, check that out in the future. And, you know, just a a parting thought, I did run into, of course, WCA former guest, 
uh, David Glasser, as I had mentioned. And I said, hey, man, what, what do you think of the show? And he said, well, this is actually my first NAM." And I said, really? Somebody of your experience, this is your first NAM?" And he said, yeah, man, I've always been going to AES year after year since like 1975. And he told me that, you know, with AES, the numbers have been dwindling down. And that was always kind of a scary thing to see. He says, but with NAM coming to that for the first time just really changed his perspective essentially because there was just so many people, so much activity, so many manufacturers, it really gave you a fresh sense of where things are at and how uh, good things are looking for our industry, for musical instruments, for pro audio, for, for sales, for manufacturing. And of course, that is kind of a canary in the coal mine for the industry. So that was a refreshing perspective that I had never heard or considered, but it was good to hear David's perspective on that. So, uh, yeah, Nam 2018, kicking ass, really great. Uh, I hope you can come next year. And if you do, uh, come by and say hello. It's really great to see all of you who came out and said hello to me. And uh, you know, one thing I forgot to mention to you, I was at the DSP booth, as I said I would be, and we had a great crowd, and I got to see uh, some folks. And, um, yeah, look for that online. I think McDSP is going to post that on their YouTube site or on their their uh, uh, website. I'm not sure which, but have a, have a look out for that. But yeah, really great time. And uh, yeah, if you can, try to come next year. Try to uh, get yourself a badge, uh, whether that's a, uh, you know, a manufacturer badge or a friend or a, or a press badge or whatever it is. Just see if you can come out and uh, enjoy some of these events. There was some good stuff happening. So... Yeah, Nan 2018. So that uh, that caps us off. Great time, great time. Before we go, I do want to say uh, thanks to our sponsors, Gearsluts.com, Universal Audio, Audio Technica, Focal Monitors, and Lawton Audio. Great to see all of those guys there at Nan 2018. Good times. All right. Uh, so let's thank everybody. Let's thank Cliff Truesdale, Chuck Smith, Cole Williams. And, uh, of course, I want to thank all of you who listen uh, week after week after week. Spread the word. Like us on social media. Uh, that's all for today. See you next week. Take care. Hey, I know many of you are aware of this, but for those of you that aren't aware, Working Class Audio sponsors the forum over at Gearspace.com called Audio Life. And quite simply put, it's a place where audio professionals can go to talk with other audio professionals about things other than audio gear, including life hacks, work-life balance, health and hearing loss. You know, if you want to talk with other audio professionals who can identify with what your lifestyle is like and how it relates to things going on in the world outside of audio, this is a great place to go and check out. So head on over to gearspace.com, check out Audio Life. Many of the same topics that we discuss here on the show on Gearspace.com. So check that out.